Welcome to the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. Oh, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Today is episode 20. That's wild. Season two, episode 20 on the TJ Mon Leadership Podcast. And today I want to talk about something that I I have been thinking about this since 2019. I know what you're thinking, TJ. You have not been thinking about this podcast since 2019. You're right. I haven't been thinking about this podcast, but I have been thinking about this moment. There was this moment in baseball history that was defining for a player, and I think it was defining for a team, and ultimately for me as a person, Watching it, being a leader, being a dad, being a husband, uh, being a, a businessman, looking in on this moment was revolutionary for me. So I want to tell you the story, and hopefully, uh, prayerfully, I, I, I hope that it has an impact on your life as well as we sit and talk through this. In 2019, the Braves, I'm a, I'm a Braves fan, lifelong Braves fan, have listened to the Braves play on the radio when I was out of town. I remember my dad tuning in with one of his little... You know what I'm saying? When you had to roll, spin the wheel, and you kiddos out there don't know what I'm talking about. But back before the digital age, you had to—you couldn't just like stream it on your phone. You had to get a radio and tune into the channel. Well, I've been watching the Braves since you tuned into the channel, and uh, and so, anyways, 2019, I'm watching a game, and Ronald Acuna, incredible, incredible baseball player. He um, he. He starts acting a little weird. Now, when I say weird, I just mean like he he looks lazy in the field. He he you know a couple batters hit um, a ball close to him, and he doesn't really run for it. He kind of just like jogs over, and he kind of picks it up and lazily throws it in. And then he hits a line drive, and it looks like it might be a homer. But when he realized it was going to be a homer, it wasn't going to be caught. He didn't even run out. You know, run the base to run out, run it out at first. He just like stopped halfway to first and kind of moseyed to the dugout. And I'll never forget this moment. Snicker, um, the coach, benched him after he didn't run out the plate of first base. And I, th- I remember thinking in this moment, I'm like, holy smokes, this dude's got, you know, at the time, I think it was $8 million. It, was, it wasn't a great contract, but he had a, he had a contract. He's an MLB player and his coach benched him like he was a little league kid. And in my mind, my mind was just blown. I was like, man, he's one of the best players on the team. But you could tell everyone was kind of getting frustrated with his attitude and his actions. And so he benched him. And he's sitting there, one of the, arguably one of the greatest baseball players, will go down eventually as one of the greatest baseball players of all time, in my opinion. And he's sitting on the bench, twiddling his thumbs because he let laziness and pride and entitlement win. And this was a pivotal moment, not that those actions were coming out of him, but for me, the fact that his coach would bench him in an important game to send a message to him and teach him a lesson. And this is what I started thinking about. So fast forward, right? I watched that. I remembered that, you know, just a few weeks ago, uh, Ronald Acuna, the same player, became the founding member of the 4070 club, right? The 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 founding member, because no one else has ever had 40 homers and 70 steals in a season. So he was actually the founding member of this of this deal. And I, immediately when I saw that, I was like, man, thank you for benching him in 2019. Thank you for making, I was thinking this to the coach, like you did something really difficult in the moment 
but potentially change the trajectory of his work ethic, the trajectory of his gratitude for being able to play at the level he played at. All of these things, because of this really hard decision to bench him, and he was never the same. His, his playing, his effort, his attitude has not been the same since that moment. So I started thinking, I was like, okay, if I'm, if I'm the coach – there's some things that I'm going to think, and I'm the player. There's some things that I'm going to think. I'm, I'm going to have to internalize this information in some way. So today what I wanted to talk about, I told you that story, so we could think about together what it looks like to be the coach and sometimes having to coach ourselves. All right. When I, when I kind of zoomed out from the story to 30,000 feet, I said, man, what, what was the coach doing in this moment? Well, the coach wasn't like, intentionally trying to embarrass him or shame him. The coach recognized his potential. The coach knew, okay, this could be one of the greatest players of all time. I am not going to let him be lazy. And so that's, that's I think, the first thing when it comes to coaching ourselves and coaching other people is we recognize the potential that they have. We recognize the giftings and the talents in their lives. And we, at times, have to make hard decisions when people are shortchanging themselves or shortchanging their effort or operating in laziness or not being efficient or effective because we see the potential. A great coach, a great leader will recognize the potential even when the player has forgotten it. So we recognize potential. The next thing he did, he did not excuse below potential effort. And this is what I started calling it. When I started looking at examining my own life and people around me, I started thinking, okay, this coach did not excuse below potential effort. There have been times, and I've seen this happen in, in uh, I've seen this happen in the business world. I've seen this happen in the church world for sure, where people will excuse below potential effort because they want to be nice or because they want to be accepted or because they want to be cool or because they want people to like them and to love them or because this person belongs to a certain family or this person is so good at their gifting, they're going to excuse below potential effort. Well, no, a good coach doesn't matter who the person is, who the player is, what they're doing. If they see them operating below their potential and giving effort, giving attitude that is below their potential, below who they really are, the coach has to call that out and begin to make shifts and changes and then the, the last thing that the coach has to do is they have to make a tough decision. Like Brian could have, you know, Snicker could have said, okay, well, you know, man, he's young. I'm not going to bench him. We're just going to have a really, I'm going to have a real stern talking to, and he's going to change things around. No, man, he sent him to the bench. He made him sit there. He made him think he made a very tough decision that could have gone one way or the other. It could have produced in Acuna resentment and frustration and entitlement. He could have wanted to opt for free agency and leave the team and go be a part of another team that accepted him as he was. But instead, he allowed it to teach him. He embraced the hard decision. He used that time on the bench to examine himself, to examine his attitude and his action. And when he left the discipline, he was forever changed. So much so that I think that moment was a part of shaping him to be the first ever to hit 40 homers and 70 steals and get 70 steals in a year. So I wonder, this is what it made me think. Thinking about this from the perspective of a parent, uh, of a friend, a spouse, a boss, um, a team member, we're, when we're unwilling to recognize potential, when we're, when we're, and then in that willing to allow people to give us below potential effort without ever addressing it, we're really doing a disservice to the people that we're on the team with, and we don't deserve to be the coach. 
Like if I won't recognize the potential in my team, if I won't call out potential in my team, and I'll say this even relationally in my friend group, if I'm not willing to coach them up, to recognize their potential, to call out their giftings, to speak life into them, and then not to allow them to to give some below potential effort in their life. I, I've said this before, but there's a group of guys that I'm in a group text with, and we've been accountability partners in some context for, I guess it's, this group text is going for at least a decade now. And I I am in this group text primarily because I know these guys will not allow me to live in below potential effort. They will ask me, they will text me, they will call me, they will show up at my house and say, TJ, this is who I know you are. This is your potential. Why are you operating? Why are you coasting? Like, why are you slacking off? Why are you being lazy? Like, why are you, whatever it is, right? And um, whatever the word you want to use, why, why are you distracted in this season? Why are you not giving attention to your wife? Why are you idolizing your job? Whatever it is. And all these are just examples I'm throwing at you, but but like a good friend, a good dad, a good husband, a good wife, a good partner in life, whatever it looks like for you, a good business partner, you you won't allow people to live below their potential. You'll call them up. And sometimes you'll make the tough decision. Like as a parent, I can make it really simple, right? Like my, my son loves his iPad. Like, and y'all, he's been into like watching squirrel hunting videos on his iPad and it was crazy. Like he named the squirrel outside six months ago. He named him Charles. And he's like, hey, I see Charles in the yard. And I'm like, that's definitely not the same squirrel, but whatever. His name's Charles. And so he's gotten into squirrel hunting. And the other day we we shot a squirrel and he started crying because he was like, we killed Charles. And I was like, no, 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 no. No, I was like, Charles is on a trip. You know, whatever I had to say. I don't know. But anyways, like my son, he loves his iPad. He loves to learn things. He lo- he, he watches documentaries on hunting and all this stuff, and which, I mean, fills my heart with joy because that's things that I love. And it, listen, if he was watching, you know, as he has, you know, how to solve the Rubik's Cube in under 30 seconds, which he is aiming for, you know, things like that, I celebrate that just as much. But if he does something wrong, he's going to lose his iPad. He's going to he's going to lose, you know, hunting time or whatever it is. Like I'm going to make some tough decisions because I know his potential. And I think so many times we're afraid to be the coach because we want to be liked, we want to be accepted, we want to be a part of the crowd, we want to be a part of the crew, we want to be invited to the party. So we refuse to live as a coach and we're just content to be a spectator. We're content to kind of hang on the sidelines and never step forward as a coach. So my encouragement would be, when I was thinking about the story, I was like, man, thank God for that coach willing to make that tough decision, recognize potential, and not allow somebody he cared about to live below their their uh, their potential effort, right? And and so my encouragement today would be this, be the coach in, in the lives of your family, in the lives of your friend, on your team, in your organization. Be willing to be the coach. Sometimes being the coach is lonely. Sometimes being the coach is, is, is not always understood. Sometimes being the coach is uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, when you're the coach, you don't care about yourself. You care about your team. You care about seeing them win and them succeed and them live up to their potential. And you truly fall in love with the process. So, the, so here's the response. The, the flip side of that is not just the coach, but the player. The player had to do this. To reach that level of success, of success, a few things had to happen in the in-between. And this is what I was thinking about for Acuna. 2019, this, Snicker makes this hard decision. He puts him on the bench. 
And then there's these few years where Acuna has to decide who he is. So this is the first thing that he had to do. And there's this is my interpretation of one event that happened on a baseball field, so just hang with me. But he had to remember who he was. Like, bro, you are a major league baseball player. You are making millions of dollars to play a game. You got to step up. Like, you got to remember who you are. You got to remember that you chose this life and this life chose you and you got to make the most out of it. You have been gifted every breath and every moment. So remember who you are and do something with it. Listen, that's my encouragement to to the husband, to the dad. And I say this every podcast, right? Now, I usually go through these, the husband's the dad, the business owner, the friend, right? Like the church leader, the boss, the pastor, whoever it is. For us to be coached up in the Lord, for us to be coached up in leadership, we have to remember who we are. Like we have been trained. Many of us have read leadership books. We have been shaped by our past and shaped by our present and being shaped into who we're going to be in the future. And we just need to remember, you might be in a season where you're struggling or you're walking through depression or you're walking through hard times or there's some indecision in your life. Remember who you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made by the God of creation. He is giving you every talent that you have, every gift that you have, every resource that you have, every ability that you have was designed and gifted to you by the God of the universe. Remember today who you are. Husband, remember you are the shepherd of your family. Wife, remember you are the nurturer, the helpmate, the strong woman standing in the, you know, standing beside your husband, supporting him, championing him. Husbands, you are championing, supporting your wife. Remember who you are. Parents, you are the shepherds of those little souls. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Bosses, you have an incredible opportunity to empower people, to shape people, to coach people, and to pay people. You literally can change people's lives by your recommendations, the raises you give them, the compliments, the way that you help them build their resumes. Even if you look at every, every team member, if you're, a coach, if you're a boss and you look at your team as a means to an end, that's going to end badly for you because you'll have a, a, a eventually people catch on to that and you'll have a huge turnover rate. But if you look at people in your organization as sons and daughters of God entrusted to you for a season to invest in, then you won't hold back anything that you have from them. You'll give them money. You'll give them time. You'll give them resources. You'll put books in their hand. You'll send them to conferences. You'll do everything that you can because what you realize is the people God has entrusted to your life are not a means to an end. They're a blessing from the Lord that you get to shepherd, you get to love, you get to lead, you get to disciple, you get to care about. And so, and and that sometimes that's a reservation too as a boss, especially if you're a pastor, like, well, if I spend all this time and and if, if I invest my talent and I send this person to conferences and they get really, really good at their job and some bigger church or some other church or some different church gets them, then what have I lost? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> You've gained because you were faithful to steward that person and then send them out. Like you were able to better the kingdom of God because of your investment in their life. I tell my team this all the time and I'm chasing a rabbit, but you signed up for this. So let's just roll with it. I tell my team this all the time, and I, I may have even mentioned this, especially people that work on this podcast podcast because they're so excellent. There's no one on on our staff that I I don't believe is incredible and excellent. And I always try to say this a couple times a year to several individuals on our staff because some I know they're, they're going to be here forever, probably you know, unless the world ends or aliens really do show up or something. 
I don't believe in aliens. Anyways, um, but there's this one verse in the Old Testament. I'm joking. I'm just playing. I tell them all the time, listen, I want you to know if you get a job offer, if you get an opportunity to better your family, to walk in your gifting, I want you to know that there are going to be no hard feelings from me. I always say this, it'll hurt my feelings because I love you so much and I would not want to come to work without you here, but I would celebrate you because I want what's best for you. Like, and not hurt my feelings in an offended kind of way. It would just make me sad because I really love the people that I work with. Listen, if that's our mentality, then we'll be coaches. If that's our mentality, like I've been gifted these people to invest in, to love in, to pour my life into, to lead, to shepherd, to guide, and then send out into the world. Listen, we will treat our children differently. If we recognize, there's a great quote by Robbie Joyner, and he says this, you tend to do more with the you tend to do more with the time you have when you realize just how much time you have left. And when it comes to our, our yeah, I, t- I told y'all this a few weeks ago, even about my wife, like we've been married 12 and a half years and I was kicking around with her. I was like, Tay, we only get like, we only get this trip two more times when we're potentially really healthy unless something changes. And then if, you know, like 36, 38 more years, like I'm knocking on 80s door. Like I've read the statistics, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm gonna be doing good if I'm alive at 80. So recognizing that, man, that makes me treat my wife differently. It makes me treat my kids differently. It makes me treat my, the, the employees that God has gifted me to be around differently. Like, I only have so much time with you. You may go to another job. You may go to, you know, my kids are only going to be in the home for a little bit longer and then they're going to go to college or they're going to go, you know, to tech school or they're going to, you know, find, you know, he, Cameron may fall in love with construction or, and he, he may want to, open a lawn care business. I don't know, whatever they want to do, but they're going to leave my house at some point. So knowing that I just get all of these people, right? Just to, and I say manage, I use that word loosely, but like, I'm like, God's the boss. God's the greatest father of all time. He's the greatest CEO of all time, right? He's the greatest boss of all time. Like he superintends the galaxies. So I'm just one of his managers sent here to care for the people he's entrusted in my life. And whether you like it or not, you are too. And when a player can be reminded of who they are, when you take your position as a coach and you begin to coach and love the people around you, you help them remember who they, who they are. This is what happened in Acuna's life. Like he began to remember, wait, I'm a, I'm a, I am a professional baseball player. I should hustle every play. I should put work in in the batting cage. I should do all these things. And then he just began to trust the process. Uh, there's a great Thomas Edison quote that says, our greatest weakness lies in giving up the most certain, uh, in giving up. Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is to try just one more time. So as a player, and I would say this as a coach, continue, continuing to trust the process, doing the little things over and over and over. This is what's amazing. The thing that, made, uh, that allowed Ronald Acuna to make history this year was the same things he was doing in Little League. See, in Little League, he ran the bases. In Little League, he hit the ball off of a tee. In Little League, he stole bases, right? And he did all of these things at the beginning, so for some of us, it's going back and trusting the process. 
Like not giving up in the middle, not giving up in, in the middle of the relationship, not giving up in the middle of the job just because it's hard or difficult, not giving up in the middle of the dream just because life is pressing in on us. Man, what it, would it look like to wake up just one more day and say, you know what, just one more day, just one more time, I'm going to be the husband that God called me to be. One more time, I'm going to be the boss today that my team deserves. One more time, like I don't even feel like it, but one more time, I'm going to put a little bit of effort, a little bit more time, a little bit more money into this dream that I have and see if it takes off. Just one more time. Trust the process. Great players, players that become great, they remember who they are. They begin to live in their identity, created in God, in God's image. Then they begin to trust the process. They begin to do the little things and just trust the process. They don't have to be at the victory line today. They know it's coming. They just have to keep running the race. The little things just one more time succeeding. And then ultimately, here's, and here's the last thing for me, they do the simple part over. I love what Vincent Van Gogh said. Vincent Van Gogh said, great things are done by a small series, by a series of small things being brought together. So things are done by a series of small things being brought together. And you think about that, Vincent Van Gogh, you know, he painted Starry Night, right? Um, the potato eaters. I don't know. There, there's all these paintings that you, you know, the um, a bistro at night. He, he did all these incredible paintings, but every one of them started with one stroke of a brush. The same thing that he did the very first time he picked up a paintbrush when he was a child, he did the simple part over again. And sometimes we get bored in the middle, we get bored in the mundane, we get bored in the day to day. But my encouragement would be be faithful in the day to day, the small things. And God will promote you. And sometimes for us to remember who we are, to trust the process and do the simple part over is literally that. Examine our lives and say, okay, what are some things that I can do over again or start doing again that I've abandoned because I thought I had arrived? Or, or, or I thought, you know, and that's what happened with Acuna. He thought, man, I'm a major league player. I don't have to do these little disciplinary things that I did, you know, to get me here. Now I can just do whatever I want. There's a, Beautiful story in the Old Testament of the Bible in Genesis chapter 26, where um, they redig some wells. Isaac redigs the wells of his father, and or, or he, he redigs these wells, and people get jealous of him. They get jealous of his success. Um, and Abimelech actually tells him, "There's this dude in the Old Testament named Abimelech, and he's like, hey, Isaac, man, you got to bounce. You got to leave. You got to get out of here uh, because you're too successful and you're growing too powerful, and you just need to leave.'" And so he goes and he digs some wells and he gets some water. And some people are arguing with him. They're like, oh, that's our water. And he's like, all right, cool. I'll go dig somewhere else. And so he redigs these wells and he digs some wells and, and he eventually gets to a place where he's prosperous, where he can just chill. And there are times that people were even covering up the, the wells that he dug because they were jealous of him or frustrated with him or whatever the deal was. And I thought about this, I thought about this story um, when I was thinking about Acuna, when I, and I know it's crazy to marry these two things a little bit, but I, I thought, man, what areas in my life, and I, I'm asking this question of myself, and you can ask it with me of yours if you want to, but I started thinking, what areas of my life have I treated like I've arrived? And I stopped paying attention to the little things. I stopped tending the well that was giving me life. I stopped tending those areas that, that helped me mature and helped me grow. What are those little areas of my life that I abandoned, those little wells 
those little springs of life that I abandoned because I thought I'd arrived, I thought I was smart enough, or I thought I was theologically trained enough, or I thought I was whatever, right? Like musically gifted enough, or whatever your deal is. What are those little things that you could go back and redig? Those little wells that you could turn up again that might just give you life, might give you that joy that you're missing, might give you that encouragement, might sustain you in some dry and weary seasons. Oftentimes, it's the... <laughs> It's the one stroke at a time that's frustrating, right? It's standing in the batting cage, hitting the ball off the tee when you've already made it to the major leagues. But those are the things that got us to where we are. It was the little things. The most easy picture that I can paint of this before I wrap this thing up and let you guys go and is, you know, I've heard this so many times, but I've been thinking about it. And I don't know why, man. Last, I guess the last couple months, I've been thinking a lot about marriage and um I've been thinking a lot about my wife and, and the gift that she is to my wife and or to my life, the, the gift that my wife is to my life. Say that 45 times real fast. The gift that my wife is to my life. And I, I started thinking, I've been doing a lot of research um, on marriage. I'm going to do a summer series or a, a series this coming year on marriage. So it's been in my mind a lot and in my heart a lot. And I think, and so many people grow apart. So many people drift apart. You know, the, the divorce rate in the United States now is over 51%. And I'm like, man, literally every marriage that happens, half of them do not last. And of the ones that do last, there's so many that aren't happy. They aren't fulfilled. They don't, they don't feel purpose in their marriage and their relationship. And I said, man, I wonder, I wonder what happened. You know, I, I mean, I've really been digging in this. And I said, man, you know what? I think there's a principle in there that's true for marriage. That's true for every other area of our lives. At some point, we stop writing the letters. We start stop sending the flowers. We stop sending the sweet texts. We stop putting the notes on the windshield before they go to work or before they get in their car to go to class. You know, all of the sweet little things, I think, couples, the things that won each other's heart, they abandon those things because they've arrived. They're married. I think, man, this, this is true of so many areas of our life. It's not just marriage, but in our jobs, why are we content to stay at the same place for the next 20 years? Well, it's because we stopped doing the things that got us to where we are. We, we stopped digging the, the wells. We stopped doing those little things, those little brushstrokes that turn into a magnificent painting. We kind of just give up on those things sometimes. So today, if I can leave you with a closing thought would be this, be the coach and coach yourself if you have to. <laughs> like, like love yourself enough, love who God created in you enough to recognize your own potential, to not give yourself or make excuses for living below your potential effort and make the tough decision to make those necessary changes in your life so that you do win again, so that you are successful again, so that there is connection again, so that you are respected on your team again, whatever it looks like. Make the tough decisions. Remember who you are. Trust the process. And do the simple part over. Grab you a shovel, a shovel and just start digging those wells again. And watch. Watch water spring up and new life happen, even in places that you thought there was no hope. Listen, I'm, I'm so glad, grateful. I say it all the time, but I'm so glad y'all hang out with me and give me just a few minutes of your, your day, your week. It means a great deal to me and to our team. So, And they work really hard on this. Um, so if, if this is meaningful to you, would you like, share, subscribe, all the things? And if you want to email us, if you've got a thought, um, if you've got, man, cover this topic, or would you dig into this? Or what do you think about, 
yada, 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 whatever it is, Podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from y'all. See you. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast, where we talk about life, leadership, and the gospel. If you enjoyed this episode, share with a friend. For more content, follow us on Instagram and YouTube. If you have any questions you would like to ask TJ, whether it is about life, leadership, or the gospel, you can email those to TJ Malden Leadership Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you join us again on the TJ Malden Leadership Podcast.